This, this, this is God Stories Radio Podcast. God Stories Radio With Fritz, Mike, and Tina. Hi there. We here at God Stories Radio are reaching out to you and your business to sponsor us for as little as $10 a month. We need you so that we can continue bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement through the power of the Christian testimony. By your business blessing us monthly, we are able to bless others weekly. To sponsor us, email GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. And you don't have to be a business to be a blessing. Visit GodStoriesRadio.com to donate securely through PayPal. Just press the button. You're listening to the God Stories Radio Podcast with Mike, Fritz, and Tina. Listen to us live on the Mixler app. Also, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio and you will never miss an episode. Stories Radio. This is session 207. I'm Fred. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. What's going on? It's Thursday night. It's Thursday. Here we are. Yes, we did. God Stories Radio under the light. Well, no light. (laughs) Plural. (laughs) Because we we had one that expired. God rest its soul. Uh Uh-huh. Well, you know, it's like I was saying, it's It's, probably a good thing because it's the one right over your head. And every mm -hmm. time you stand up, you hit it. Uh, Every time. So I had thought it, at some point it would knock some sense into me, but <laughs> it hasn't come to pass. Uh-huh. Well, at least it's the uh, light instead of the computer. <laughs> exactly. You going to give it a decent burial? I am. All right. Yeah. I know your relationship with lights, how much they mean to you. Uh, I know. It is anytime something, you know. Electronic. Gives, gives way in the studio. It is. It's. It's uh, it's hard. That light's been there since we've been here, so I know. Has it? Yes. Yep. Oh yeah, since the studio was built. Yes. Okay. Yeah, those are the original lights. So uh, <laughs> I just there's an original. Makes it sound so old. Yeah, yeah. Original, 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 original lights. dent in that the one. The original right? yeah. vintage lights. Yeah, they, maybe vintage. that was it too. Maybe that's why they're not working. Maybe you bumped au- it so many times. Maybe I can auction it off for uh, some kind of for donation. Dollars. Yeah. The first 50 cents gets it. <laughs> Cost us that much to mail it to you for more. Uh, so much for the donation. Just come by and get it. Uh, Mikey autograph. Might it. have to pay somebody to take it. <laughs> you know it. Hey, what's going on over there, Mikey? Just having a 
sparkling evening <laughs> here at God <laughs> Stories Radio. <clears throat> oh, Mikey. <laughs> sparkling. Sparkling. I, uh, used, I used that phrase uh, earlier this week at work, and the guy just, whoa, I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah, because you don't know whether to take somebody seriously or laugh. Uh-huh. How's yeah. your day? It's sparkling. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say to that? It just I makes you I, stop and I, go, I, okay, I let said, me envision this for well, a expect moment. the riding the wave comment, and then you get sparkling. <laughs> I said it, and there was a, a pause for about a couple of seconds, and he says, wow, I like that. It's yeah. Sparkling. I'm going to use that. Well, yeah. Just like my water. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's so different. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you just don't expect that out of somebody. How you doing, brother? Sparkling. <laughs> Fantastic. So how was your week this week? Man, I've been busy as a sprayed roach this week. I'll tell you what. <laughs> With a vacation Bible school, everything going down at the church, and uh, I just found out we're, we're going to be host to a big leadership summit and uh, a big uh, CR conference, or Celebrate Recovery conference there. So the wheels are turning. That's great. But I love it. Those kids are so cute. I they am. really are, man. Those are kindergartners, uh, <laughs> preschoolers. They just uh, they love it, man. It yeah. doesn't take much to please them. You've come home in a good mood. I know. <laughs> what happens? You know, then they're teenagers all of a sudden. And, <laughs> then you come back to reality. Know, yeah. <laughs> and you need counseling and the whole thing's downhill from there. <laughs> then you're no longer sparkling. <laughs> yeah, you're right, just sort Mikey? of flat. <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of flatlined as a parent. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> Golly. I tell you what, man. Yeah, at least we still have the dog. We do. <laughs> Yes, we do. Can always count on the dog to bring you joy. Uh, All right. Hey, we're going to welcome everybody on Mixler tonight. It's uh, going to be a great show. Glad you can make it. Listen to us live. We've got my brother Chris in the house tonight. My brother. Real brother. So uh, it's wonderful. Wonderful. So Mikey's sparkling. Everybody's good. <laughs> and uh, I've I heard a vicious rumor that we have no shout-outs in no countries. We have no shout-outs. No, <clears throat> nobody has liked us on Facebook last week. So anyone oh. out there, if you're listening and you have not done so yet, please lift Fritz up with a anybody like on Facebook. A, anybody could do a quick like, you know, uh, for us real quick. Then we can, <laughs> we can shout out your name. Come on. You can do it. Just go over there to Facebook. But we did. Slash God we did get Radio. a. Um, someone uh, did uh, email us with a comment. Yes, they did. Yes, um, I assume it was by Lily, and I assume that she listened to the most recent podcast, two hundred six Soul. What was it Soul? What Rescue? Soul, Soul Rescue. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, she says, um, "I would like to say that this podcast." has been a blessing in my life. One day, I would like to share our testimony since we are going through a lot. And now she has a prayer request that her husband is going through legal stuff. So that was the comment. I imagine she is referring to session 206 since it came in a couple days ago. Um, And then we have a prayer request uh, for her husband who's going through some legal stuff. 
Well, if you're a praying person, if you would put her on your prayer list and her husband, um, we would greatly appreciate that. Yes. We try to lift each other up like family here, and uh, all of you listeners are part of the family. And I have one more. Uh, my son, I spoke to him today. Um, uh, about a month ago, he buried his mother and uh, just found out that uh, he's now going through a divorce, the start of a divorce. So if you would uh, lift my son uh, up in prayer, I'd appreciate it. <clears throat> wow. Mm, so sorry to hear that. Mm-hmm. Man, that That's just makes difficult. me angry, man. It's just like the devil to uh, try to steal that seed. Something good happened in his life. So you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All right. So who's our guest tonight? Kenny? Yeah. Our <clears throat> guest tonight. Who's the best one to introduce this person? <laughs> Probably Donna. <laughs> <laughs> She's waving her hands over there. No, you're not going to make me talk. I will kill you. <laughs> I'm getting the, okay. All right. Well, all the way from Tallahassee, Florida, <laughs> just flew in via caravan. <laughs> there is an airplane called a caravan, but, by oh. the way, Cessna. Anyway, uh, uh, this is my brother, Chris Amrine, and I'm, I'm so thankful that he agreed to come on the show, and I'm so apologetic that it has taken me so long to invite him to come on to the show, because I know that uh, he's got an amazing testimony, an amazing history, and being the fact that we have the same dad, we can pass along a lot of pretty cool stories and uh it's hours of fun but uh i i just love you brother i tell you and uh, he uh married us we married tina and i mm-hmm. and we just had, had a wonderful wedding down on the beach it was amazing mm-hmm. couldn't have asked for for better weather mm-hmm. and uh he was there and uh, donna was there and i just uh there's so many things I could say about Chris, but uh, this is going to be about him and his testimony. So I'm really just going to turn it over to him. And uh, please welcome to the show my brother, Chris, Chris Amrine. Who's also an ordained pastor. Yes, oh. he is. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, you have you have actually mentioned over the years about coming by, and it just never seemed to connect. Yeah. And a couple of times you said, why don't you just call in over the phone? And I've just never been comfortable doing that. Because I always sure. thought, if we're going to do it one of these days, I have to be there in the studio and watch you guys. Because mm-hmm. well, we would rather have the person sitting here. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, but it does logistically, you know. But but I've listened to the podcasts, and uh, you know, usually not live, but I'm getting them when I get the links, and it just amazes me, you know, what you guys have been doing for well, and you over and five years now. Supported six. us too, and we appreciate that. Yeah. We just turned so six I years. You, I, I remember. Ago. Was it just six? Yeah. Okay, I remembered it went past two hundred episodes. I was trying to figure out how many years that added up to all told. And I like all of them. I mean, uh, I've heard the ones that are incredibly dramatic. I've actually liked the ones where sometimes it's just the three of you mm-hmm. chatting on a subject mm-hmm. because somebody didn't show up. And I think, well, you know, that you go that, ahead and do it. I think is wonderful. That was it, all Father's plans. You you deal with what you're given, and that's part mm-hmm. of. I don't, I, you were talking about my testimony, I, and, and Fritz says a lot of people say this, you know, when I originally said, uh, you know, we've, and I've been in churches and people have come and given testimonies and they're so dramatic and they're just, <laughs> wow, you know, and I always thought like many people, mine's not like that, but I thought, you know, there's so many ways we go with this, but my sort of underlying theme, I think, is the little things mean a lot. Um, 
a change is a change. It doesn't have to be like the whole universe shifts on its axis. No, because in my case, I actually had a, a long religious background, if you want to call it that. I was raised Catholic, so I didn't come to, uh, I didn't grow up in the evangelical church. Didn't grow up Baptist. You know, I had friends that, you know, they were Baptist from the day they were told how to say mama or dad. You know, that's all they knew. Mm-hmm. And I didn't come from that tradition. I came up very traditional. And so I was already religious. In fact, it was amazed me when I started going to a, a Southern Baptist church for a while. They were stunned that I knew about the Bible because they considered an article of faith that Catholics didn't read it. <laughs> I said, not only do we read it, we got more books than you, buddy. <laughs> uh-huh. And they didn't understand that either, so I had to show it to them. <laughs> but uh, you can look that up later. They actually do. There's a whole series of books in the Catholic Bible that don't appear in the like the, right. the others. Yeah, Mikey but, was Catholic. He sailed on that ship. I did. But, but I also understood, too, that it was the Bible was basically on the do not read list for a while back in the 70s. Yeah, well, I go back before that. I actually went to Catholic school and we had to read it. I did, too. Really? Um, I didn't read that there. But I guess it was the order. And Well, I mean, those of you that aren't Catholic, don't, it, you're, it's the luck of the nuns. Yeah. I mean, it's like, because there's Ursuline nuns, there's Dominican nuns. I mean, we could go on for that. But... Some of them are very into teaching, and some of them are more into what shall I say, discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, raise them up in the way they should go. And I was lucky enough to have some. If you were interested, they were willing to let you explore. And so yeah. I knew I knew a lot about it. Plus, I'm in our food chain. You know, as Fritz said, we we are actual real brothers, <laughs> of a total of seven kids, uh, six from uh, my mom, and then Fritz was uh, came my dad's second wife, and. Uh, but we've got seven of them. So I had the ability to sort of experience the cascade of their experiences coming down the food chain. So I really felt very much into it. And the reason I think that's important is I was always felt I was fairly, you know, if you'd say, are you religious? Yeah, I go to church all the time. And we mentioned our, my dad weaves through here, and uh, he, he's a, he should have a story of his own. There should just be like a biography There's, of him yeah, for an episode. Absolutely. Because... Uh, his, what I like to think of, and, you know, each kid has, sees a different perspective, but in my mind, the real story of my dad is, is what I talked about at his funeral is, is redemption. He was, uh, he was what I understand was fairly ambitious, smart, really smart guy, but he had a drinking problem that he let get the better of him. And at some point it took over his life and it basically destroyed it. Uh, well, it destroyed ours anyway, because my mom finally had enough of him and booted him. And again, there's different stories on that, but from my point of view is, you know, he, he disappeared. And, uh, and mom, bless her, for a lot of very valid reasons, had nothing good to say about him. So when I did hear about him, it was, it was always in an epithet. You know, you're acting like your dad. Don't ever let me talk like you're that dirt bag. So, which is just as an aside, as first I said, we could do 20 <laughs> episodes. Parents don't do that. Okay. I mean, you know, he's, it, it, Part of what I had to deal with is I realized I'm half this guy and he's scum Mm -hmm. was a message I was getting. And I was terrified that I was going to grow up and be him. Mm -hmm. And so I was on a mission to not be him, which, okay, let's just take that logically. If his life is warped and I'm trying desperately to be his opposite, I'm warped. I'm just like the mirror. And I never thought of it that way. No. You know, my mom rewarded me if I was not like him, but I didn't realize he... You just don't do that. You're twisting yourself in knots for somebody else's opinion. 
But dad was always real active in church. And so for a lot of my family, when he blew away, it kind of blew them away. It's like, well, he's the guy and look at what he turned out like. So we don't need this. Well, I never felt that way. To me, church was an escape. It was comforting. It was very predictable. The Catholic church has a lot of ritual. Some people hate it. For me, it was like, at least I knew what I was going to get there because a lot of the rest of what was going on in my life was insane. I mean, yeah. you know, I never knew what mom was going to be like. I never knew what the meltdowns were going to be. My brother kind of, older brother, uh, kind of drifted in and out. I mean, it was, uh, looking back, it's kind of, as a kid, you're kind of bouncing around, but looking back, it was like, geez, it's amazing you get out of these things alive. Mm -hmm. But I kept going to church. And so there were people that said, well, you know, you're the religious guy. One of my brothers-in-law used to call me the preacher of the family because I was the only one in the family at the time that was going to church, and he just thought that was incredible. Um, so I'm, the reason I sort of give you that is to come up to fast forward to a few years later. I'm now married and, uh, my, I, I'll say one of my sons, because I don't really want it. It's up to him whether he wants to share the story. But basically when he was a few months old, he died. Uh, it was, a, he got a form of pneumonia and his lungs filled up and he couldn't breathe and he drowned and he literally died. Uh, wow. But through a series of what, again, I would call miracles, he, is, he, he not only survived, but he thrived. Wow. But, but literally, if I hadn't been up walking him around because he was crying all night, I wouldn't have been awake when he quit breathing so I could smack him and get him breathing again at 3 a.m. We call the doctor's emergency number. They say bring him in at 8 o'clock. So my wife takes him in at 8 o'clock not knowing that they'd given her the wrong information. The doctor's not coming until late 30. But... Since he was there at 8 o'clock, when he quit breathing again, the nurse who was coming in and setting up was able to give him some oxygen and keep him alive until the doctor got there. Otherwise, he'd been dead if he'd have been home. The doctor rushes him across the street to the hospital, which he just happens to be across the street from, because there's no ambulance he could get quick enough, gets him in the emergency room so they could pump his lungs out. They then put him in an ambulance and send him over to Shan's Teaching Hospital, which is Gainesville, Florida, the only, at the time, pediatric intensive care in the southeast United States. Wow. Mm -hmm. At any one of these steps, if my son isn't in the right place at the right time, he's gone. Mm -hmm. In every case, he's in the right place at the right time, and he's going to live. They don't know if he's going to be brain damaged, which... This is a joke, by the way, we're still not sure about. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they, they've warned us. You know, he's been without oxygen, and it turned out he, he's a heck of a kid. But we went through this, and I'm going to this Catholic church, and there's one priest, because that's the way Catholic churches were organized in that area at the time. And, of course, he's trying to carry 35 jobs. So I never see him. We're in the hospital in intensive care. We're allowed to—we're waiting twice a day we can go in and see our little boy. And the priest never comes because mm -hmm. he's busy with old people that are dying and people that are sick and trying to do the church. But these ladies showed up in the emergency room, uh, waiting room. And I don't know these ladies, but they know us and they are here and they say, what do you need? Would you like us to stay with your wife while you go back to work and take care of your older son? Would you like us to bring food? Would you like us to be? And they had it set up as a shift that there would be two of them there at all times. Mm -hmm. For the in, until he got out of the hospital. Wow. I don't even know who these people are. It turned out one of the ladies I work with went to a little Southern Baptist church that was 15 miles out in the country, and she told them about what happened to our son, and they put together a group. They said, does he have anybody to help him with his other son? And they, she said, I don't think so, and they just rallied. And I'm like, who are these women? Wow. 
who are these? Didn't know you from Adam. Didn't know. And they showed up. You know, I said, if if you have to go back to work, we'll babysit your older son for you. And I'm like, well, thank you. But, and I'm blitzed, you know, so I'm like, fine. For all I know, I'd handed my son over to gypsies, right? But I mean, at the time, this was like unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Well, when my son survives, I felt like I owed these ladies something. So I'm telling my friend at work, I would like to, can I make a donation or something? She goes, well, it'd probably be nice if you just came over to the church and thanked them. And so my wife actually went first because I was Catholic and I didn't see any reason to go to this Baptist church. And uh, anyway, a couple weeks later, I felt guilty enough and I said, you know what, I'll go one time because I want to thank them. And I went to the church and I met their pastor. It was a little old country pastor. It's a little tiny church. He was bivocational. So, you know, those that part in the Bible where it says two or more are gathered in our name, one of the things I always like to remind people is it doesn't say we're 2,000 or more are gathered. Right. The mega churches are today, but all around us are these little tiny churches in the middle of nowhere that might have 80 people in them and might have a pastor that's been there for 30 years and they can't pay him, so he's a beekeeper or an, or an engineer or something on the side, but he's in this church every Sunday. And that's who this brother Tommy was. And so he said, well, why'd you want to come out? I said, I want to thank these ladies because uh, I can't believe what they did. And he said, well, what? And I told him and he was like, well, that's what we do. And I said, what do you mean that's what you do? He says, well, what would your church have done? I said, well, my church is great, but, you know, people are busy and, and other things are going on. And he said, well, let me ask you, what church you go to? So he was interested, and he was very shocked that I knew the Bible. So he and I talked the Bible for a while, which was a lot of fun. And he turned to me, he said, so then you do know you're going to heaven? I said, I'm pretty sure of that. That's like throwing raw meat in front of a pit bull. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you're pretty sure? Of that? I mean, you, I, I, see, I'm in, I was in insurance sales at the time. I knew when he lit up like a Christmas tree, I had pushed a button, but yeah, I didn't buddy. know what button I'd push. Right. And he was like, oh, you know, I got a live one here. So he says, really? And he's very cool about it. He said, do me a favor. I want you to go back and get the Gospel of John. He said, get your bike. He said, read that. And will you come back here in a week and tell me, what you thought of it. And I'm saying, I know the gospel of John. He says, yeah, but just, would you do that for me? And I said, well, sure. You know, I'm in it now. Right. So, um, I go off and I say, I'm going to read this by a book of John and I didn't, but I'm trying to earn a living and I'm driving around now, just a little side of the story. I'm in a car and my radio quit working. This is all true. Died. The car ran, but the radio wouldn't work. Now, the net result of that is I'm driving all over Florida, trying to, North Florida, trying to sell insurance, listening to myself. What this means is that this gospel of John is going through my head over and over and over. And most of people know about John 3.16. That's like their big verse, mm-hmm. you know, their go-to verse. Sure. Everybody knows that. But I think thanks of, to Tim Tebow, uh, half the world knows yeah. it now. Well, no, that guy with the funny hair that used to go to all the football games. I mean, but uh, but people know that verse, but not everybody knows the context of what that verse created in. It was during a conversation that Jesus was having with a guy named Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. And here's what was insidious about that brother Tommy, because I thought the guy's a country beekeeper, but man, he is sharp. Because mm-hmm. after the conversation, Nicodemus and I bonded, 
And if you know, most of you probably know the story, but if you go and look up Nicodemus, he was a leader of the, of the temple. He was smart. He was not poor. Mm-hmm. People respected him. Mm-hmm. He knew what he was doing. And in verse 3, Jesus tells him he's going to hell. That's, that's just it. And I'm like, what? I mean, this guy is like, this is a dream, uh, this guy. Uh, and Jesus says, gives him, unless you be born again, you ain't going anywhere, buddy. And he tells him, and it's very clear if you read that whole section, Jesus respects and loves this guy enough to tell him the truth. And I could not get past the fact that I would have been proud to be Nicodemus. And Jesus just said, that ain't enough, buddy. And I couldn't get over that. So a week later, and, you know, I remember reading on a school application one time. I was writing insurance for a Christian school, and they gave me a copy of the application. And it had on there, state the date you were saved. And I remember at that time not understanding that question. Uh-huh. I mean, what? I know when I was baptized. I know when I was baptized. What do you mean? Who can do that? Well, I can tell you. It was January 5th, 1981. Because that was the day I went back and saw Brother Tommy and said, explain that to me. Mm-hmm. And he said, I think it's pretty clear. And I said, well, unfortunately, so do I. So he said, well, here's what you got to do. And he told me about sinner's prayer. And he said, we'll do it together. Uh, he said, but only if you want to. And I said, I'm open. So we did. And from that point on, it's been different. Mm-hmm. But there was no... You know, I was kind of almost hoping for this huge relief, you know, or, you know, something dramatic, like, man, right. I feel yeah. And he even asked me, you feel different? And I went, I don't know. And he was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Well, do you feel different? And I said, no. But, and I'll just tell you, what I realized, and to re- go back real quick to the story, Ben, one of the things when you grow up in an alcoholic home, or you go through that, is... And this is very well, you know, it's not just me. I found out later there's a lot of people. But you become a survivor. You become very good at being by yourself because (coughs) the way you get through, and it's probably true of a lot of types of dysfunctional homes, but in my case it was alcohol, that you create a reality that allows you to survive it, which may have nothing to do with it. And that reality could be a very friendly one. That reality could be you're getting along with people. It could involve work and school. But you are creating a world that shields you from the insanity that's going on around you. Because that's out of your control. But that leaves you alone. I mean, it becomes a strength to be a survivor because you really feel like you can't depend on the people you count on have either left, disappeared, or they're telling you stuff you don't want to hear anymore mm-hmm. because they're going through their own nightmares. Yeah. And again, they're good people, but they're not... You don't feel like they're there for you, which is not fair, but hey, you're a teenager, right? You touched on that earlier. Right. Put all that through a mind of a teenager, you're you're gone. And the one thing I knew the minute Tommy and I stood up is that I wasn't alone anymore. And if that alone had been the only thing I ever got out of that, it would have been worth it. Because when I got, you know, there's songs like, you know, In the Garden. He walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. You know, and that's, yeah. that is magic to me because it means no matter how b- far down you go, how far up you go, it, he's there. Now, I might ignore him and be mad at him and, and 
you know, do whatever I do. But there has never been a doubt in my mind that he's there waiting for me to, you know, wise up and go, I'm ready when you are, buddy. Mm -hmm. But it's hard. I gave you sort of that background. It seemed kind of rambling in a way. Maybe it was a straight line. But um, but how much of a difference it made in my life simply to not be alone anymore. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, you know, going out and saving the world or whatever. Mm. Now, but that little change then is like plant seeds for everything that comes after. And that's so, if there's people listening that feel like, well, I don't know that I've had anything dramatic or I don't know my life's changed that much, or I don't know that I'm, I'll give you an example. You know, I started going to this Southern Baptist church, you know, naturally, and now I'm like, uh-huh. uh, now I owe them big time, right? And I'm like, I need to understand how come you people are like the way you are. You know, teach, sure. me, teach me more. Well, if you, if you were to ask a um, Catholic that question, if they were going to heaven, 99% of the time you will say, I would think so. Sure. And that's if you're like a real practicing Catholic, and there's a whole lot of them that are guilty mm-hmm. about, you know, wandering away from the church. But mm-hmm. yeah, at best. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there's people in the Catholic church that are saved. That's where I disagree with some really evangelical. But I don't think they got there except on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I'm, this is not a knock. I think the, the atmosphere in those days was very holy. But if you knew your catechism and you knew your prayers— and you did everything at the right time, you probably thought you were fine. There was never any point at which they ever said, are you, have you made this decision? Mm-hmm. Now, it's, there is confirmation. Like, like they do a formula, right? And yeah, and it's not, that's not bad, because if you're going into a, I, I've told people, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I've used the example that the Catholicism is the McDonald's of religion, and I only get in trouble because people think I'm slamming them. No, I say that as a high oh. compliment. That religion and part of the reason the Jesuits and a lot of the, the outreach, the, the missionaries were so successful is they have a formula mm-hmm. and it works everywhere. I could go into a church in Nigeria and have no idea what they're saying. And 20 minutes into the mass, I know what they're saying because it's the same. Right. It's pre-tested, pre-done. It's like traditional Judaism in a sense. It works. We're not messing with it, except mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. We'll, we might change the language, but the prayers are in the same order. And I go to, first time I go to Southern Baptist Church, and I'm like, these people are making it up as they go. Uh. It's like he says, hey, that's a good one. Let's do another couple of verses of that one. And I'm like, what? Don't we have to get to the, and then the preacher gets up, and Lord only knows how long he's going to go on. Right. Clearly could care less. You know, it just depends on the mood he's in. And I'm like, and he's in a coat and tie. So there's like, I felt like I'm in somebody's living room. I mean, it was such a culture shock. Mm-hmm. But it was so amazing, the people, mm-hmm. that I, my reaction was, they have something I don't. What am I missing? Absolutely. And uh, that could be true in any situation. And it will It will change the way you think of things, as I, said, uh, as I was mentioning about. Um, um, I was trying to think of a little thing that, you know, you can just tweak something. But uh, sometimes in these smaller churches, for example, if you were measuring these small back churches, backwoods churches by growth, and number of air, I was reading an article the other day, number of airplanes the pastor has and all that stuff, you would say these people are a total waste of time. And yet they are some of the most moving, magical, mm-hmm. God-centered, earth-moving people. Because for those 60 to 80 people that are in that church, they have changed their lives. Mm-hmm. And they are an, a symbol 
of what's possible and how they can be ministers in their own. Oh, and I remember we were talking about that, just uh, Mike, right when you were asking me the question, but pe- I was thinking people come down front and they say, I feel I've been called to ministry. And the instinctive thing is they're going to be missionaries. They're going to seminary. There was a great Billy Graham film for people who are old enough. Billy Graham organization used to make movies. The churches showed like on Sunday nights for the parish. It didn't go to the theater. It was You showed them in the hall with a projector in the back. We all made popcorn. It was cool. Mm-hmm. And they were sweet movies, but they always had Billy Graham in them, you know, preacher and stuff. But one of them, I told Fritz, I always remembered was it was this kid who an angel actually visited and said, God has anointed you. You are going to change the world. And he immediately goes off. He's in high school and he visions himself saving, like preaching to millions. Mm -hmm. And he's actually at the Billy Graham crusade next to Billy Graham, you know, and he fails miserably. He crashes in front of crowds. He gets flop sweat. He can't do any of it. And he, but an angel, I'm telling you, a real angel. And of course, his buddies all think he's insane. Finally, the angel shows up and goes, what are you doing? You know, I told you what to do like two weeks ago. Well, I've tried everything. I mean, it's too stupid. He says, what have you been doing? And he goes, you idiot. And he points to the guy that sits next to him in class. He says, him. Talk to him. It turns out his, he's been called as a missionary to that one guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that because, I, you know, that may be... You are all called, but you get caught up in this myth, and what you might be called to do is be the most incredible example at work. Mm-hmm. Or you might be called to be a teacher who just smiles at somebody that another teacher would have smacked upside the head. Mm-hmm. Or you might be the person who noticed somebody crying in an insurance office that nobody else noticed. And so you walk up and say, what's wrong? And they tell you two years later how much that meant to them. Or you're the person who walked up to a lady in church. I walked into a Wednesday night supper. I used to travel a lot. And I came in Wednesday night straight from the airport for a supper. And I see our church pianist over by herself and music all around her. And she's working on her music. And everybody else that's eating supper is on the other side of the dining room. And so I just figured she's busy. And I almost, I almost didn't interrupt her. But I got my food. And I thought, well, you know, I'll see how she's. So I walk over and say, hey, Karen, how's it going on? What's going on? And she goes. I'm fine. And she put her music together and left. Okay. I go over there by LC. Ten years later, I'm dropping my son off at a youth retreat, and Karen is dropping her daughter off. She's moved from somewhere else. She and her husband got divorced in our church, and she was the pianist, and he was the chairman of the deacons, and it was ugly because the church was not happy when they got divorced. Because, mm-hmm. you know, they took sides, and this, how could you two? And they blamed it on her. But I didn't know about any of that. That came up later. But we're dropping the kids off. And I said, Karen, how in the world are you doing? She goes, well, you, you four-hour drive back home. You want to have lunch? I said, sure. So we're having lunch. And she said, do you remember 10 years ago or so when you came into the dining room on a Wednesday night? And I said, yeah. And she started crying. She goes, you meant so much to me. I have never been able to thank you enough. And I said, for what? She goes, you're the first person in that church that was nice to me. Mm-hmm. after they announced our divorce. They all blame me, and you were nice. And I'm, the reason I want to share that and why that moves me, I was clueless. If you'd have told me I have a mission, that would not have been on my list of possible things. But God puts you in places mm-hmm. and says, you know what, just, I think it was Francis of Assisi, you know, and I've heard it quoted so many ways, I'm not sure what the actual quote is anymore, but, you know, always and everywhere preach the gospel mm-hmm. and if necessary, use words. 
<laughs> and I've thought, what's amazing, like Brother Tommy for me, I never saw him coming. Mm -hmm. And I never saw that me smiling and saying hello to somebody, not having any clue where she was at that moment, mm -hmm. 10 years later is bringing her to tears. Mm -hmm. That's not me. I mean, that's just God using things that mm -hmm. you don't have. And I've, and in summary, I could give you tons of it, but I mean, what it comes down to is I've always thought of it uh, in a non-religious sense as Johnny Appleseed, mm -hmm. that maybe what God has the, my mission, if you will, is just to throw these things out there without being aware of them. And one day, if I'm lucky, I'll come back and notice they're growing. Wow. But I'm, but it's not, I don't, I've never felt called to preach. I've had people tell me, you know, because in our family, <laughs> Dina was saying earlier, you can tell your brothers, you know, you both like to talk. But, uh, but I mean, part of that is people say you ought to be a preacher. And I actually had a pastor one time of one of these, I was in a gospel quartet. So we would travel out to these churches and we'd sing for free for them. Cause I loved, you know, we all love going down to these churches. They didn't often get music groups coming through cause they had no money. And we'd say, Hey, we got jobs. We'll do this for free. <laughs> yeah. We'll keep the day job. But so we'd go and I'd love meeting these guys, but I was telling them one time we were praying ahead of time and talking about, do you feel like you, you're where you ought to be and everything. And I said, you know, there's times when I get people saying, you know, that maybe you would think of this. He said, so as I understand it right, you travel around the country and you teach insurance courses. I said, that's what I do. He said, and you teach these groups of two, three hundred sometimes? I said, yeah, they range from 40 to 100. He goes, you preach to more people every week than I do in a year. He said, you're where you ought to be. And I I had never thought of that. And I yep. thought after he said it, I thought, you know what? That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Because again, just to put a final ball on that, I, I can't tell you over the years how many people I had come up to me, and uh, at various times. And again, this is not bragging because I'm, I'm I want to stress in every bit of this. I never saw this coming, but somebody would come up, and I've just taught an insurance class, right? I mean, just chew on that for a minute, right? <laughs> General liability <laughs> principles, right? And somebody will come up to me at a break and they'll say, you know, it is such a rare thing to see a real Christian man up in front of us teaching. And I'll go, well, where'd you get that? Because I don't, I don't believe you should charge people money to come to a business class and turn it into a church service. Mm -hmm. I just don't. I say, that's not fair to them. They, if they want to go to church, then there's a chime and a place, but I'm not going to, you know, by the way, now that I've got you as a captive audience, I'm going to lay it on you. I just don't, personally, I'm not comfortable with that. And she said, because you use three examples involving your Sunday school class. And she said, there's only one person that talks about Sunday school class, and that's somebody that teaches Sunday school. And she drew a line from there. Never occurred to me. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, the reason I bring that up is I remember that old preacher, and I thought, I didn't know I was preaching to her. Mm -hmm. But she heard a sermon. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, if I could share maybe one overriding thing out of that say you know what if you feel like god's with you there's a thing called experiencing god that many churches did back a few years ago and the idea was instead of you figuring out what god's supposed to be doing with you why don't you figure out what god's doing and join him and i realize if you just simply walk with god you don't have to do anything he's the one doing it he he'll handle it right you, you just need to show up and so if there's anybody listening that feels like you're not good enough, you're tongue-tied, you couldn't quote a Bible verse to save your life, you don't know if you got a testimony or you don't know if you got a story to tell, you know what? Just be the best 
you walking with God, you can, mm -hmm. and you would be amazed who you might be preaching to. That's right. That's all, that's all Father wants. Yeah. And I just, so I guess the moral of the story is a very small thing happened to me that changed everything. And it all came from there. And I've just been amazed ever since to have these things thrown up at me. And I, and I do feel some days when I'm not doing enough and I don't, uh, I'm not strong enough. And, and we all go through that because it's called being human. But don't give up. Just keep moving and let him surprise you. As Renaud said, you know, just be happy kitchen. that you're be in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and the other side of that, of course, is the things you think where you're knocking it out of the park. You don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about that high school kid. Man, he died and burned over and over and over. And I thought, well, that's when you think it's about you. It's when I totally forget about it is when somebody will then come up and say, you really said something special there. Mm -hmm. And I realize I don't even remember saying it. Yeah. But then I know it wasn't we, me. We don't even know how many people we already have touched in a way like that. No. And, and you we, don't know if it's going to be years clue. later you before you found out 10 years later, you know, when well, that's what I mean. you never find There's out. There's people that you may have changed, and they, won't even, they don't even know it yet. Right. Oh, but yeah. They'll come to a point, and they'll go, you know what? The old me wouldn't have done that. The mm -hmm. old me wouldn't have made that choice. That's that guy I heard on GSR. Mm -hmm. That seed grew, and I'd ignored it. Because if it's going to grow, it's, it's going to grow. You can't. You know, I, I remember I had a kid in my Sunday school class. He was agonizing over moving to Thomasville, Georgia from Tallahassee, which, by the way, is kind of strange because it's only like 15 miles. But he was real worried it's going to change his whole life. And he said, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. I said, what do you want to do? He said, well, it's not about me. It's about what God wants to do. And I told him, and again, not everybody will agree with this. And I said, you know what? You do whatever you want. I have a feeling God will use it. So go to Thomasville if you want, and God will meet you there. And if you don't go to Thomasville, I doubt he's going to go without you. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, if he's, and he went, well, I never thought of it that way. And I said, dude, you're just working too hard. <laughs> but that's, again, comes back to my real feeling. And I've talked to some pastors who were not total agreement, which I believe is perfectly fine because we're all called to see things and, and minister in different ways. But I think a lot of people out there don't give themselves enough credit that if you're walking with God, you're doing fine. Don't, don't beat yourself up. Mm -mm. You are, you are an excellent person. And one day, you know, if you know for sure you're going to be there, then well done, good and faithful servant is in your wheelhouse. You don't have to be Billy Graham. Yep. And I think a lot of people that I've run into are too quick to beat themselves up. Uh, we were talking about C.S. Lewis uh, yesterday. Uh, Fritz and I were, and he wrote a, a book called The Screwtape Letters. And for those of you who haven't read it, you ought to check it out. It's an old book. But the reason I bring it up is the devil is trying to, he's unleashing his demons on earth and everything they try is not working. And finally, the de devil goes to his nuclear option. He says, okay, we've had enough. We're pulling out the big gun. And they say, what's that? Is it pain? Is it pestilence? Is it another plague? He says, no. He said, it's doubt. Ooh. Ooh. He yeah. said, when all else fails, make them doubt. And I mean, any of us that have ever been around religious groups or in churches know that there's people who are incredible people and they are dying because they think they screwed it up. 
or they think God isn't with them anymore, or they think that he won't yep. love them because their marriage failed, or that they... Doubt and guilt. And yeah. All yeah, is, condemnation, that's his, his deal. That's his uh, MO. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, I go back to Brother Tommy, genius that he was, beekeeping genius. He says, you know, if you're saved, it's over. So why are you doubting? You can screw it. He said, you can be feel as bad as you want, but you're going. And I, and again, I'll never forget him because I, that was not part of my, you know, what I had grown up with that, you know, you're going mm -hmm. and you cannot screw that up. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's just, like I said, I'll say it one more time that changed everything. And looking back, there's a, an expression I've used with people that when you're going forward, you feel like you're wandering and lost in the desert. But when you look back, it's always a straight line. Yep. He's and ordered uh, your steps the whole time. So mm -hmm. I, I hate to keep going off on side streets. So I'll just say that pretty well comes up to where we are. I think. <laughs> wow. Wow. You did very well. I think so. What said what needed to be said. Absolutely. I mean, how many times have we, you were, you know, we were in doubt of, with God Stories Radio and you oh, know, yeah. where are we going and what, how come things. And I'm just glad we didn't quit on the same week. Right. And, and then, <laughs> then you would say, you know, like Jesus had to preach before a few thousand or thousands. Who are we preaching to? 95 countries. Yeah. That ain't no small thing. No. And uh, I always tell that story about where I was, you know, having a pity party with God. And I said, when, when do I start seeing, you said that we would see greater things and greater works than even what you accomplished. When do we start seeing those things? You know, and then God stories radio, boom, in my head. And you know, it's the Lord because it, it happens that quick. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just like you said, 95 countries, we're talking to this mic and there's 95 countries that can hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. But just like Chris was saying, you know, it could be 95 countries or 95,000 people, or it could be just one. It could be the one. Yep. That right. is the one that you're intended to reach. You better believe it. So, you know, we don't have to be Billy Graham. We don't have to be, mm -hmm. you know, out there pounding the pavement or giving our lives in the mission field. Your mission field might be right across the street for your neighbor. Mm-hmm. It could be in your own household. It could be in multiple ways. But, you know, have you asked, really sought the Lord and asked him, you know, what he wants for you and where he wants you? A lot of times we get caught up in our own thoughts and ideas about what we should and shouldn't do. When really, we really need to be taking it to him um, so that we can ask him to put us in the right place. And I think there's a lot of credibility to just what you said about just being a comfort to people, being kind to people. Um, it's becoming such a lost art in this world where people are kind. Yeah. I'm, I'm shocked because I lived in a generation, especially because I wasn't in this country, I lived in a generation where people were extremely kind to each other. They looked out for each other. They didn't have any harm or malice towards each other. And their only intention was to make sure that you were okay. 
And that seems to be such a lost thing mm -hmm. in, in this particular generation and during this time. Um, but I'm hopeful because I see some people in this younger generation that are that way, that are kind, um, that do care, that show compassion. Um, but, you know, some people show more compassion for animals than they do people. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we have to remember we need to be compassionate to each other. We need to look at Jesus as our example. Um, and he definitely walked that walk. Yeah. With love and compassion. So. And, uh, and, you know, you said something too about where should I be? And I, my response personally would be, you're probably exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's just whether you're aware that or not aware, just be grateful and, and believe that you're there because that's where you're supposed to be. It's, you know, uh, my brain seems to work in a way, and I'm, and I'm a teacher at heart. So, of course, the idea of taking stuff that people find complicated and saying, let me try and help you ex understand that, and then you go back and dig deeper uh, is just something that I do. So I... I might oversimplify. I taught Sunday school for 31 years, so you know I've gotten used to trying to explain things that are unexplainable in some ways. But one of the ongoing themes you run is why do bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. And I'm not being at all facetious because you know, going back, and I'm sure Fritz says we could all share some pretty horrific stories. I mean, my first marriage blew up, and uh, but I look back and you know again, without that. I don't. I do not become the person I needed to be to meet Donna, and we've now gone past 31 years on the fly and still counting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people say, "Don't you wish you'd met her first? And I said, "No," because then I'd have screwed it up with her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people say that, but they don't really absorb it and go, "Then that horrible thing was was not there just to be painful." And it's not like, "Well, good, you had horrible things because now you're going to learn some." Uh, quite the contrast. It's just life sometimes is horrible. But I've had an expression. I don't know where I got it. So if I stole it from somebody, I give them. I apologize. But uh, then, and I wrote it down in a church years and years ago. Was if God throws you off a cliff, take notes. And the reason is one, it may be the last thing you ever do, so I might as well leave a legacy. But two, you just might survive. And if you do, you can use this, because there will be people that go off that cliff or approaching that cliff, and you'll be the only person that can go up and tell them, here's what you need to be thinking about. You don't want to do that. Or if it's going to happen, let me help you. Because I've already been over that beggar, and I've come back to help. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, and I'll share two examples of that. One, uh, when, there, when I'm in churches, divorce, it's funny, even all these years later, it's still not a badge of honor in a lot of churches. It's kind of like, well, you must have done something wrong. Sure. Because, you know, and even if they say, oh, we totally accept you, then the sermons are all about, you know, staying together and finding, and you feel like dirt, you know. But uh, but I've told people, I said, you know, that's sometimes, Billy Graham actually said, sometimes you can't unscramble eggs. <laughs> he actually gave a big sermon on divorce, and he said that, and it made me feel so much better. He said, yeah, there's things you wish didn't happen, but when they do, the only bad thing you can do is not learn from it. Mm -hmm. And I found I can talk to people in our churches having been divorced in a way that there's not a pastor in that church can reach because they really 
they can have all the empathy in the world, but they just don't understand. And that's true of anything. I mean, if, if it'd be stupid for me to give people, you know, advice on childbirth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, well, we know you mean well, but you clearly are clueless. You know? <laughs> but what do I know? Well, I can talk to, and I, it came up a lady, and Fritz knows this, at our dad's service, I talked about what it was like to hate him. Which, I mean, his pastor was freaking. Because I led off, and I thought, I need to set the tone so the, the kids that follow can say anything they want. And I said, I'm going to tell you right up front. The one thing my dad wouldn't want me to do is lie. And there was a long time in my life when I basically hated this guy's guts for what I considered still valid reasons. Um, I mean, there was a lot more to it than that. But, you know, good dad, bad dad, what Fritz calls it. You know, But, but this, in a nutshell... Without bad dad, the way he lived the last 35 years of his life wouldn't mean anything because he changed. He got saved, he got sober, and he became an exemplary person. I mean, he struggled, but he became a chaplain with prison ministries. He became a chaplain at the Salvation Army in San Francisco. Uh, He worked with some dudes that just scared me to be in the room with, and this guy is not the guy my mother talked about. Mm-hmm. And, but if you didn't know the other guy, you had no idea what amazing change. Right. change. Right. Right. You would have thought, well, he's a good guy. I say, but you're missing the story. You wouldn't realize he was a changed life. And that's, yeah. that's when I go back to the take notes, is that when I talked to this funeral, I talked about that, and I had some people that came up after that were AA people that my dad had known through his alcohol program. And they said, you know, we talked to each other at our meetings, but... And this one lady said, I never thought about what it looked like from my daughter's point of view. I just thought she was being terrible because I got sober and she basically said, what do I care? And she was crushed. She said, I know I started drinking again. She said, but it never occurred to me. I basically made her life hell for 10 years. Why should she just forgive me? She said, I'm going to have to earn it back. Mm-hmm. Thank you yep. for letting me see this through her eyes. Well, I, I was not talking to her. I was talking about my dad. Mm-hmm. But it made me realize, again, God throws you off a cliff, take notes. What have you had in your life that you have ultimate credibility? Because that's like your testimony. You can quote Bible verses, but so can Satan. You can do a lot, but only you can tell your story. Mm-hmm. And the people you have on here, I think, are great examples of that. But I think, again, people undervalue you say, well, I've just had one disaster after another. You know what? You might be the most valuable witness out there because you can go to people <laughs> That's who are, right. and you know what you're talking about and they'll know you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had a lady in our church up in Virginia. Her son relapsed after four years. And a, our assistant Sunday school director came looking for me in class. He said, I don't know why, but have you got a minute? And I said, well, I can let the people study something. What do you want? So-and-so needs to see you. And I'm like, okay. So I go running out and he drags me down the hallway and he said, I'm trying to get her to go to the counselors. I'm trying to get her to go to the counselors. And I said, who? And he told me, and I said, well, what's, what happened? He said, her son started using again. Mm-hmm. And I went, oh gosh, it's just She comes running up and she throws, and he said, I don't know. She wouldn't talk to anybody but you. And uh, the reason is because I had shared in Sunday school that my oldest son had started drinking and how devastating it was. And she said, those counselors don't know what I'm talking about, but you do. Yep. Because mm-hmm. you've got a child you love and you didn't know what to do. 
Right. You've been there. And I thought, see, I wouldn't have valued that because in my mind, the memory is I wish my son had not done that. Mm-hmm. But again, throws off a cliff. Take notes because somebody is going to walk along someday. And the only reason you're going to be able to reach them is because you went through that. Mm-hmm. But so, that's the power of the testimony, Chris. And that's, and that's why, why I love what you guys here. And we've had people come in here and absolutely they get to a point in their testimony and they absolutely lose it. They absolutely just break down mm-hmm. because you, you're reliving those moments. And that's where the power is, though. And I think that's where the people uh, pick up on that because it, to you, you're just sharing an incident that happened in your life. But the, but the power in that story that's emanating from it, you know, people go, you know, it changes their lives. You know, we well, don't, and, and that's, I mean, if you just, could just, uh, amazing. Uh, instead of beating yourself up over why am, is God doing this to me? You know, if you can just simply flip that and go, I'm being taught. Right. I'm getting some street. I cred. hate it. I am not going to be, and that's okay. Cause even Job went ballistic and God said, that's okay. You're an idiot. I'll let you do whatever you want. But remember the lesson because there's a purpose in this. And, uh, you know, we can say, well, it's like your parents. Well, sometimes my parents just were ugly, you know, <laughs> but, you know, someday you'll thank me for this. And I've just, I've lived long enough and I'm old enough to look back on a lot of those things that I absolutely still am not happy happened. I'll be honest. I mean, I'm not glad of what happened, but I realize there were two ways to go. I could either descend into just being angry the rest of my life and saying, God is a terrible person and who cares or go, you know what? Uh, he must really think a lot of me. Yeah. Because he knew I could take it. He won't give you anything you uh. can't endure. And I'm just going to follow it away because I have no clue when this is going to come back to roost. But I know for a fact he doesn't waste anything. No. No. Pretty much of what you're saying, uh, God Stories Radio's verse, we have our mission statement, but the verse says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our own troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Well, that's why we've, you've said it. We've contributed. I listen to these things because I believe in what you're doing. I think what, what you do, and, and, and there's places for anybody. That doesn't mean, you know, these guys that want to have their jets. I don't understand those guys, but you know what? I have friends who will not listen to a message if it's not delivered by a guy that looks like he's making a lot of money. Because that's what they relate to, and I know other that's people. True. I know other people that don't want to listen to somebody that's not some backwards preacher because them guys and back in the woods the only ones that really preach the word. You know what? Uh, there's a song you played after an episode a couple of times ago, and I had not heard that song in I don't know how long, but I sang it once in church, and I got crying when I heard it again because I thought, "Wow!" And it's Jesus. He meets you where you are. Friend of a wounded heart, and I remember thinking, then the you can't get away from him Mm-mm. because it's you're right where you need to be. Because if you, if you like the guy, if you go where you're not supposed to go, he'll just go with you because yep. he'll, he'll make something out of it. Yep. There is no waste. God doesn't waste time. He's, the, he's, but, but it's okay if at the time you think clearly somebody here is on drugs because this makes no sense. And I hate this. But like I said, after a while, you start going, well, it's easier to swallow because it always worked out before. Um, well, and he speaks to that, too. He's, you know, he's, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're all classic overthinkers. 
So yeah. it's like, uh, but it's okay I, I to agree ask. with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, God doesn't mind if, you know, I always love that song from Fiddler on the Roof, you know, would it spoil some vast eternal plan if I were a wealthy man? God doesn't mind if you ask. He knows we're human. No, he, he wants knows us he, to take he it He wants to us to. And he can laugh and go, yeah, like you'll ever get that. But so I ask. <laughs> but, you know, I, that's why I guess I, am, I keep looping back to the idea, sort of my biggest, one of my biggest things, I just feel bad that people, life can make you suffer enough without you being your own worst torturer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was and, well said. And too many people just dig in deeper in the coals. Yep. And instead of at least saying, well, what's the best I can get out of this? Um, and I think, you know, you'll, you'll come out of it. It'll, there is a point to it, even though you don't see it. Um, but I don't, I don't know any other way to say it other than just keep moving. Amen to that. He can see around the corner. Yeah, you say that a lot. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's right. Wow. That was awesome. It was. <clears throat> anyway. And under two hours. <laughs> well, it's because I cut the dad part short. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Well, we're so grateful that you came up. Yes, all thank you. I just, uh, to, come well, thanks. to come and do this in person. Thank you. Oh, well, it's, it's kind of, um, I feel like I'm meeting the stars here. I mean, you know, uh, no, I, mean I, I seriously, you uh, guys, you do something that's amazing, and I think that's great. Well, you have prayed for us and supported us and, and just been a, a partner the, with us the whole time, and, and we just couldn't have done it without you, and I so love you and, and appreciate both of you. You too, Donna. And uh, we thank you so much. She really is here, by the way. She really is. <laughs> she, she just refuses to acknowledge she her presence. She uh, <laughs> gave me the I ain't going to talk, don't make me talk eyes. <laughs> Listen, if you've got a testimony, drop us a line at GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. And they can also tweet us. They can tweet us on the Twitter. And then uh, like us on Facebook. Oh, yeah. I'm going to see if anybody did while we were. <laughs> just, just so I can. Uh, oh, my goodness. I can can do we a, say addiction? So I can do a <laughs> shout out. Oh, well, no. All right. That's okay. The measure of your life is it's not, not Facebook about the likes. numbers. That's okay. That. Uh-huh. You'll check in another five minutes. I will not. <laughs> I hope to be uh, having pancakes or something here shortly. So, do we need to start a recovery program for yeah, you? I might need an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> God, wow. I'm sad. Okay. I really am. Please pray for me. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, each and every one of you, for. Uh, for just praying for us and supporting us and we just so appreciate it and you know God Stories Radio has had no other agenda but to bring hope and comfort absolutely and, uh, not we just love each and every one of you and we thank you so much hard to believe it's been six years and 207 episodes I mean God just amazing he well he still he still has countries. us there so we're we're doing something right doing something right we're he just, just wants us to show up yep. uh-huh. as Chris says we're going forward and, uh, you know, has it just been me or have you felt like that we have been the ones that have been getting encouraged, you know, when, when mm-hmm. Renault was here, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. you know, and then the, the things that, um, my brother said, and, uh, I just feel like, uh, we're getting a boost, mm-hmm. you know, did it just an encouragement that, that God's got it under control. We just need to keep going. Absolutely. We just, it's we not don't... about the Facebook likes, Fritz. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did I say that? I did. <laughs> Inside voice. Inside voice. But but we just love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for supporting the show. So, All right. Well, that about wraps it up for session 207. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. God bless. I have journeyed Through the long, dark night Out on the open sea My faith alone Sight unknown And yet his eyes Were watching me The anchor holds Though the ship
Though the ship's been better The anchor holds Though the sails are torn I 